0: And welcome to this episode of the VFX show, where we will go where no one will save you. In fact, uh, this was Jason Diamond's suggestion, and I regretted his suggestion because it was scary <laughs> as for me, I don't like horror. But anyway, uh, we're going to look about the film, No One Will Save You, uh, which is uh, been out now for a little while on Hulu. And of course, Jason Diamond is here having suggested the film. How are you, Jason? Uh, fantastic. And our good friend, Matt. Matt, how are you?
1: super elastic bubble plastic
0: okay oh. <laughs> okay so generally speaking i encourage the vfx show to never cover horror and jason said to me ah oh, this isn't horror this is really good you like it it's not scary at all and i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> what I was like what's next Saw 11 anyway um so <laughs> So let's start with uh, well Matt where do you weigh in on uh, on the film and generally on the
1: franchise that we would or the the genre that we would call uh, horror I mean it I guess it is kind of a horror movie but it's it's more reminded me a lot of um there's a an episode of the original Rod Serling Twilight Zone with Agnes Moorhead called The Invaders mm-hmm. and yeah, 100% it, it too has what this movie has which is really no dialogue really there's almost mm-hmm. no uh, talking except in the twilight zone at the very end and i guess there's some talking if you count singing at the very end of this movie but um i you know i didn't have like super high expectations but i remember seeing the trailer and thinking like oh it seems like kind of fun like an an alien uh, abduction style movie you know sounds like a lot of fun and i think it it um you know for for the way in which you experience it it's like a a movie streaming on hulu it's not a theatrical um release but i i thought it was a lot of fun it was um not a heavy lift uh and i think there's some interesting you know kind of thematic things maybe going on there were a couple things that um like uh, we'll talk about as we get into it but there's one kind of key moment in the narrative where i was like i don't know what, like, I, I don't know where the writer, uh, how they were thinking about this, uh, an incident in the life of the past of the main character, where I was like,
0: <laughs> that's not okay, very sympathetic. Well, we'll loop back on that in a second. But yeah, Justin, it was fun. Why it did was you pick fun. this film? Why did you pick this film, Justin?
2: Um I had heard a bunch about it and I was intrigued by the concept of, I actually didn't know almost anything about it. And I was intrigued by the concept of, the stuff i had been reading that uh twitter reviews and things of people being like it's so engaging and it's amazing and there's no dialogue and i was like okay i love a movie that constrains itself and picks an exercise sometimes to just try cuz you know lots of stuff's been done how do we take a different approach and i like alien you know invasion sci-fi you know uh what have you
0: yeah it was more like a home invasion than it was a general yeah. invasion I guess um, that's true, yeah. But, yeah, the thing is, I mean, it did seem like a, uh, a a genuinely valid, interesting exercise to make a film with almost no dialogue, and also it had, I 100% agree with you, Matt, that Twilight-zoned feel, which I yeah. generally like, yeah. There were just a few things going into mouths and things that I just didn't really <laughs> need to sort of have in my yeah. head,
2: but, yeah. I Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, to be fair, um the same way my kid says that i'm not the judge of spicy like if i say something oh it's not that spicy and he eats it he's like oh my god it's so spicy you know like <laughs> if i say oh like it's not that scary then it's probably scary but maybe that's uh i, I think too like a lesson that,
1: we haven't learned yet in the 14 years we've been doing that <laughs> yeah i think too the other thing that's so kind of fun about this is that you know from a visual effects standpoint it's it feels like a, a really fresh uh Relatively low budget, I would think, uh, effects uh, picture, and the the types of effects they create and achieve, both practical and digital, are pretty cool. And I think that that's also mm-hmm. something that is you know laudable. Like it's 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 fun to look at the shots of the aliens and of the I would I think were probably some prosthetic bodies, like some physical effect. I'm not sure. Maybe they were digital, but um, I think they were all digital,
2: based on were at least from what I could find online. But I mean, Mike might have more. No, I don't have a, a particularly. It was a, a DNEG yeah, show, right?
0: Yeah, it was a DNEG show, and mm-hmm. and look, I think the thing that made it makes it incredibly worthy of us spending time on it, and the VFX show is for one. You're right. It's like small budget. I'm thinking 23 million, some number like that like a really low number, relatively speaking. Secondly, it is always interesting when somebody tackles something that's cinematically or a sort of difficult or challenging and the restriction of it not having dialogue definitely makes it, you know, all sorts of things. Exposition, everything just becomes a whole different uh, thing of have to express. And, and then also, you know, we don't want to just cover big Marvel films. We like to cover, right. you know, other films. So like, I'm, I'm totally up for it. It's just... It was just funny because I knew nothing about it other than it wasn't scary and then yeah. I was like so did I get the right film yeah um now it's not like mega you know horror no it's, uh, it's it's
2: i i mean i, I guess under the auspices yes it's it's very suspenseful there are there are moments there's violence which you yeah. know depending on your threshold for that certainly of course it's extraterrestrial violence. so you know depending on how you can disassociate from that kind of stuff uh, if it affects you um i would say my so i watched this on the plane back from london in october with with my brother we happened to be sitting next to each other and i found a new feature on the ipad i hadn't didn't know was there where you could add another set of airpods when yeah. you're watching content so you two people i was like he was like oh i want to watch that so we watched it together and i i, I obviously i really liked it i wouldn't have suggested it but but My only, I guess my only takeaway, I guess maybe from a filmmaker standpoint, like a director standpoint is I thought while I really liked the concept of the restrict creative restriction of no dialogue, I'm not sure that it needed to be upheld to literally no utterances of words. Like dialogue is not, I guess a word is is dialogue, you know shortest sentence ever written is Jesus wept i get it but like you know uh it felt at times that the the characters themselves were being put in scenarios where they needed to um exclaim or react with something other than a really deep breath and the it that to me made it feel forced because why would that character, even though they were alone, not be like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, or whatever. In yeah. this very tense scenario, it, it felt out of place as a, like, I felt the exercise,
1: I guess. Is I the, think, is the, yeah,
0: you know, sometimes when you're listening to a song, a lead singer can use their voice as an instrument. And sometimes yeah. they can use their voice to do a narrative-like set of lyrics, mm-hmm. right? And so I felt like, yeah, you're right. I thought we could have had some of her lines, which would have not been exposition or consequential in a plot sense, but just the noise that you would make, like, you know, that's not telling the audience anything new, like get off me or go away or, uh, you know, out kind of thing where it's not telling you anything other than it's just what the person would do. Having said that, I, you know, It is, I guess, a selling point that it only had five words
2: uttered. It's a, Um, yeah, I mean, it's a nitpicking, obviously. I'm just, you know, if they're going to give us a, they're going to give the viewer a restraint or a constraint, creative constraint, then it's our job as the viewer to hopefully enjoy the film, but then also begin to critique it and see how it works, how it could work. Those kind of things inform other filmmakers who might go, oh, yeah maybe I'm going to do the same, but we'll change it, you know?
0: It would have been good if there was maybe one word that she used, but when she uttered it, it had different meaning, like whether that's a swear word or not. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, but it would just be like that the word, it didn't mean anything. Like, you know, like some of there are there are made up swear words. In Red Dwarf, there was smeg, right? And so, right. and and so just the, the, the performance of saying it is the communication, not what the word yeah. means. But
2: anyway, yeah, yeah yeah, but I mean, that's a minor point. that's just uh, from a like can we look
0: back standpoint. on Matt's point though, because Matt was talking about originality, and I yeah, I think there is originality. But also the funny thing is they went for every <laughs> alien cliche in the book, right? I mean, if you're making a cartoon about an alien, I think there's a Pixar cartoon about an alien uh, who was in training trying to kidnap somebody, and it had <laughs> you know the tractor beam and the flying saucer shape yeah. and the the hovering horizontally, lifting people up, and the mm-hmm. aliens looked like the ones that you know uh you would see if you went to a roadside diner outside area fifty one um in a tourist shop, and you yeah. know like it's it's like every cliche in the book and Matt, I don't know about you, but like I kinda didn't bump on it too much. It was almost like. Well, you could either go the other way and try and find something that no one's ever seen before, like they did um, with the kite in, uh, what was the film? You know, um, nope. Yeah, nope. Nope. yeah mm-hmm. exactly, which is like breathtakingly original. But if you're not going to go that way, you're not going to have something that no one's ever seen before, then why not go with the thing that everybody's seen before?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, in terms of the, the narrative components, some of the tropes of, you know, things that we see in Close Encounters are in the Pixar short uh, Lifted. Right. There's yeah, a lot of okay, the kind of which is sort of, you know, comical exploration of alien abduction. But then, you know, you've got the close encounters or the, you know, the uh what was that um Whitley Stryber directed uh, written film with uh Christopher oh, Walken communion. called Communion. communion. Um yeah. you know, the kind of the same like, kind of alien look, right? Like that kind fire of fire in the sky. Fire in the sky. Yeah. yeah, with totally same, same deal. Like <laughs> and you know, I I kind of feel like leaning into those things in the case of this movie like you know it, it works like it really did remind me of that episode the invaders of of uh, uh, uh twilight zone fame it's so similar in structure but then uh yeah and and the parts of the horizontal uh, abduction which look just like lifted but then there's also the mm-hmm. the secondary alien which is like the large long-legged yeah. thing that was kind of like yeah a, Insect that had these other mm-hmm. kind of curious sort of stretch armstrong kind of abilities. And I thought a lot of that yeah. stuff felt really interesting, fresh, like um not like I'd never seen it. I think you see things like that in poltergeist, there is the one-shot in Close Encounters of the very long, elongated yeah. alien figure. So they're sort of reminiscent of those designs. But I felt like in the context of this movie where the the potency of you know, the sort of onslaught of the attack, the ostrich, the fact that the main character, the Caitlin Deaver, is that her name? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That she's sort of ostracized by her, um, uh, the people in the town for reasons that we don't really understand, but that we come to understand like in a kind of freakish way towards the end of the movie. But, but there, it's almost as if they're trying to understand something about her like she becomes a Mm -hmm. really interesting uh case study for the the aliens and i think that that was um also something that was kind of interesting there's the horror of it the kind of body snatchers kind of component where it's like the townspeople are being taken over Mm -hmm. but then there's this other kind of component to it too that still felt tropey but like a fresh approach to the tropes i think well
2: even even the way that people got taken over was like you could say like it's a nod to alien like it's it's right. uh i think it's something that anyone who's a fan of those all the movies that you mentioned in the tropes in this case and i read a bunch of stuff with the writer director who also is a producer on cocaine bear oh uh, no kidding is yeah. uh and and you know it has and has written written one of the divergent or insurgent Films or whatever, so you know, like he he has some some obviously some uh, experience in that studio realm. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff was was hey, we shot this practically, and then we knew we had a huge part of the budget that was just going to be visual effects, right? And so, if you know that going into it, and it's not like oh, we can like we can't really freestyle because every time we freestyle, it's a it costs money, and our budget is limited. I kind of liked along lines what you guys were saying. I kind of liked the fact that they leaned into what we know, so that the audience can get past that and be because really it's an it's an it's a home invasion story, yeah. and if you change the aliens too much and they're not bipedal, basically like your brain going, oh, it's a man breaking into a woman's house, you know, for for the, if that's how you wanted to look at it. Um, it automatically projects inherent danger as opposed to you being like, well, how is that thing moving? And could it do this? And all of a sudden it's super distracting. And is it dangerous now? Because it could just be anywhere. And in, so I, I feel like you kind of want to lean, lean into the humanoid side of it. And then once you're in it and then you they start layering it slowly with, okay, oh no, there's a body snatchers vibe. Okay, now there's a, so now there's townsfolk that are, you know imminent danger and then you layer it again you go oh, there's a psychic uh function to this and then you know and then you get your big giant monster you know guy yeah. and then you have and then you have all the alien ships that kind of have that extended kind of tube thing and like mm-hmm. you know it's and it, i think it, it it's feels in, felt it's, like
1: good progression it's a and i think it's a, a choice that at least for me as a viewer feels like leaning, like just like you say, I think it's leaning into something that's smart, that gives you an opportunity to sort of riff on the tropes, but then go into a different direction. Whereas mm-hmm. there's a TV show, I think it's on the Apple TV called Invasion, a series, and the aliens in that are oh, like right. these kind of oily, sticky koosh balls. Like they have no faces, <laughs> like they have no heads. Right. They're just these kind of like, you mm-hmm. know, space tumblers or something. Yeah, and, and i kind of feel like in a strange way like you know while that's sort of interesting as a design aesthetic or as a threat uh they're less compelling and less interesting and i spend a lot of time trying to think like you know okay well so clearly that's like some kind of simulated blobby you know sticky surface thing like but it's not mm-hmm. threatening it's not um yeah. it, there's no way to anthropomorphize it in the way that you know, right. the alien in Aliens is scary because it's a humanoid with a strange anatomy and no eyes, yeah. right? So the right. fact so, that it has no eyes is yeah. what makes it scary.
0: So here's the thing. I, I was tremendously re- reminded of the TV show Star Trek The Next Generation, an episode called Conspiracy, which came up at the end of season five which had a whole bunch of Star Trek people with aliens that came out of their mouths or went in their mouths and you know controlled them by attaching to the bottom of their brain kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a famous Star Trek episode because they blew up a guy's head with a double laser kind of thing from Riker and Picard, and and it was super (laughs) gory, like in a way that that TV show never was back in the day. Um, But here's my thing, and I'm going to be critical of it now just for the basis of whatever. I had a problem that they used everything. Like they used the conspiracy things that were like mm-hmm. bugs that went and kind of that you'd refer to as being alien. I'm going to call them Star Trek conspiracy bugs. But, you know, they were yep. like parasitic. They had the normal aliens. They had bigger ones that were like not normal humanoid aliens. They had like they had just like everything going. And I was like, well, it would have been more interesting. OK, so that's one thing. Like, let's put a pin in that for a second. Right. That would have been OK if it was just uh, an assault of attacks of different types. Right. But the pivot, and this is huge spoiler if you're listening and you haven't seen it yet, so don't keep going if you haven't heard it, but the point at the end of the story is that the aliens somehow go, oh, this poor species, humanoid woman girl, has been badly treated and she's going to be put back in an environment where we're going to make all the people around her nice to her. And so the kind of theory here is it's a bit like because she's killed some of them, right? So she's you yeah. know, attacked them. But they've had to have had either a higher intellectual kind of rationalization, like a, a dog that's bitten you, but you rehabilitate the dog, was an analogy that someone came up with, right? And then you try and put it in a nice environment so it will behave nicely. But that that level of kind of uh, abstracted thought and caring just doesn't vie with the first thing, which was we're going to throw every e- evil yeah. alien concept. So I was like, if it had been a bit more like they were attacking her, but they weren't really attacking her, she just thought that they were attacking her, or they were attacking her because they misunderstood her. But I just feel like the payoff at the end, which was terribly Twilight zone mm-hmm. and and was good, right? I don't think it was bad, but it just didn't felt earned. It was like there was right. nothing up to that point that suggested that they were going to have some moment of higher level abstraction that got over the fact that she'd been sticking bits of stuff in the side right. of their heads and blowing them up and burning them in cars and doing stuff. And the parasites were like, are they, those parasites, that Were by the way, the visual effects of the parasite in the throat, I thought were really good, especially mm-hmm. like when you saw somebody's like the impression of them around the throat from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like in other words, you saw somebody's yeah. throat and you could get a kind of a relief bump map of them kind yeah. of yeah. being in the throat. Oh, that was really good. But having said that, it's like, uh, is that eggs of our aliens? No. Is it like a pet of the aliens? Like, or is, is it like
2: that wrapped around the brainstem to your yeah, conspiracy sort of, episode so it's sort of,
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like kind of, I don't know, like it felt like, Everything was good at one level, but at another, they just didn't earn the stuff. And I think back to aliens, and in aliens, like it really made sense. Like you had the mother alien putting out eggs, and the eggs needed yeah. to feed off something. And so it built up. And so everything connected really well. And there was a consistent visual language built off a consistent cultural kind of art, art direction. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be critical here and say, I just didn't feel that in this.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I also kind of saw it as a, because it wasn't theatrical and maybe that is, take, makes you take a different approach. Like if you were writing something and you knew it was going for the small screen, smaller screen, and people are going to be at home, like you kind of write up maybe a little bit more of a popcorn movie with a brain than a brain movie that you could also have popcorn with. Uh, I'm hedging. I'm I'm just like trying to. I I agree with you, and I'm I'm trying to think of that. But, Jason, let's say you're directing, right? You're directing, and
0: I'm an artist, and Matt's the VFX supervisor, which is probably the hierarchy that we'd have actually fallen into. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so Matt's briefed by you on what you want, but I'd be privately speaking to Matt, and I'd be saying, so the thing that goes into a mouth, right? The thing that's sort of squishy and it's quite Mm -hmm. um, glutinous almost with tentacles coming off it. Yeah. I'm like, I don't see the cultural, and by cultural, I mean like the um the evolutionary kind of connection yeah. to the aliens. Like their skin, they're like if they've come from a planet that that, that thing works in, then is it like like I, I'd be like, Well, Matt, is it a low gravity thing? Like, how does it that this connects to them? Right. And and I'd want that backstory from Matt. And Matt would undoubtedly say to me, but that's what Jason wants. So just shut up and do it. And I'd be like, okay. And I do it really well. But I'd want the backstory so that I could make it of the same
2: something. Yeah, does that make sense? Well, then I would say to Matt, did we hire that guy who's always talking about the physics of Spider-Man again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, Uh, you bring up a great Uh, point though. Like, uh, and it's something that I think when when you explore uh, as a filmmaker, I think when you get into this idea of you know writing a screenplay um, and creating a world where there are otherworldly beings who play mm-hmm. a key role in your narrative. We, like we teach a class at our school where it's just called creature design. And I, this is not an original awesome. idea, but, but what's cool about the, some of the assignments is, you know, some of the prompts for students will be okay. Like, you know, there's a world where, you know, the, the atmosphere is mostly, you know, nitrogen and uh, you know, the, it's covered almost exclusively by water there are these creatures that live on this planet and all the design decisions about the anatomical structure, the skeletal structure, the, yeah, way that's amazing. Feet, the way it sees, the way it ambulates, like the way it procreates. All of those things are part of the design process where students have to mm-hmm. really consider a narrative structure in order to build out a design. And now that's not an original idea, but I think when you, when you no, some exercise. of those things you, you lose, I think to Mike's point, like you lose a lot of like believability Mm -hmm. in the narrative and what was so brilliant. Yeah. about aliens is, you know, we suddenly having the knowledge of the movie alien, we see this, the total other life cycle, this other part of the life cycle, that's kind of, we haven't really seen yet, but when we do see it, it makes so much sense. And you're like, Oh, like, of course, like, and then it connects all these things to motherhood. And, uh, you know, the offspring, survival of the species, drones, bees, Mm -hmm. you know, all these analogous um, uh, uh, phylum. But I would say that
0: that applies across the board with design, right? Like if Jason said to us to do the title design, Matt, I'd be like, well, I, I... and you said do something cool i'd be like well i can't judge cool in isolation i can judge cool if you tell me who the audience is and what the intent i'd be is more specific with and, the graphics and cool no, no, but, obviously but give me some you know what i'm saying there, buddy. no no totally yeah, no. but i'm just saying like <laughs> okay well you're 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 um yeah say you're evil twin but that would be completely un- uh, rude i didn't mean that um but you
2: know what i mean like, it's accurate it's accurate
0: but but um but what i'm saying is uh, if a director says to you make something cool i, I just can't judge cool because yeah, 100%. It, it, I can only judge it whether it's to an audience communicating the effective thing that I want. Mm-hmm. If it's doing that, then I can say it's cool. But you show me something in isolation. I'm like, well, it, it looks pretty, but I can't tell you if it's actually good until I contextualize yeah. it. And so without the contextualization, I felt like individual stuff in this film, uh, and look, you know, it's a small budget film. So for crying out loud, like, I'm, mean, you know, this is like being really harsh, but I'm just using it more as like a. Yeah, no, of course. Um, It's like, that's what you really want. And I think like when you get that and it's kind of free almost, like it's sitting around with a few beers, like discussing this stuff to death. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Rather than like doing a ton of work. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you can get that kind of, then when Matt says, oh, Jason needs it to move to the left. I know how it moves to the left because I know, hey, have you guys read the book, uh, Hail Mary? Mm Mm-mm. I would totally recommend this book. This book is spectacularly good at exactly what I'm describing. It's from the guy who wrote *The Martian*, and in *Hail Mary*, mm. they come across an alien. Um, okay, I just spoiled it a bit, but anyway, uh, that's not the biggest surprise in the book. But <laughs> the the level of consistency of everything that happens in that book, in terms of aliens, is just so well thought out. Like it's everything that Matt just described, right, it's like everything about where it was, how it developed, its atmosphere, its Mm -hmm. gravity, its everything, informs everything about the character's design and the character's actions and even all the materials that they use and the techniques they do to solve problems. And uh, so if you were making a movie of that, and God, I hope that they do, yeah, it would be a gift to an art department (laughs) and to visual character designers. Because they would be like, I know, you know, you don't have to ask every question, like, I, uh, of like, where does this hand go here, or does it lean up, or does it stand straight? Does it look like it's, you know, does it need mm-hmm. to? To Matt's point, right, like about the, you said, one of the things is like uh, life cycles that you're, in your mm-hmm. class, right? But I remember just hearing a designer say, like, the first thing, I want to know, is it a predator or is it a, you know, uh, not? If it's yeah. a predator, it's going to have its eyes together, so it can have binocular vision, so it can determine distances and. And if it's a carnivore, I mean, I am herbivore, it's going to have eyes at the side of its head. Yeah. Like, a, like you know, so to see something coming. Giraffe, yeah. From either side, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, do I know that when I'm watching the creature? No, but I, like, it rings true if you've got yeah. a hunter that looks like it's got piercing eyes that look mm-hmm. like. um, So, yeah, anyway.
1: Uh, yeah, we I don't think, really find think, ourselves thinking in terms of predator and prey in this movie. I mean i I just have to I say mean, kind before, of, you, but well, yeah, yeah, I guess ahead. sort of like, but i there are cool things in the narrative structure of this movie too, like i i that I think are you know again, like great for a low budget kind of drive in style movie, right, which is sort of mm-hmm. what this feels like and and, um you've got the this thing at the beginning where she's building this diorama of the town mm-hmm. she lives in this idealized version of the town, which is kind of what You know mike alluded to the thing that plays out in the end this sort of she lives Mm -hmm. in this idealized version of the town where everybody's really nice to her now you know and but the one part that i found really uh pulled me out of it and kind of like i felt like it robbed me of any empathy i had for the character was the fact that like why she's ostracized in the town yeah like i I don't know about you guys but like i was a kid once i had friends Mm -hmm. i had arguments with friends i Definitely you had police and friends push me down. I didn't pick up a rock and strike someone in the head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I just was like, I don't, I don't get how that's, how okay, is so that something thing. that anybody can have empathy for that? Like, I mean, what can, oh, but, ahead, but there's one it's really bonkers. aspect about it that's
0: really, no, no, I tell you that, but I tell you, I'm, I'm totally guessing this, right? Hmm. But the payoff for that is that that's how she saves her own life. She does the same thing to the alien. That's right. the first alien that she kills, right? She does yeah. the same mm-hmm. instinct. And so I, it's possible, I think, I'm hypothesizing, that they had the alien kill and then when they went to do the, what did she do to her friend? She kind of had the same reaction thing that she did that caused her to kill the friend. So in other words, like it may be that, because I agree with you, I don't think it, it's a really kind of sensible thing that she would pick up a rock and kill somebody. But it was a nice callback to the. I think you could right have had that life. same yeah.
1: thing though, where it would have been an accident, where like maybe she mm. was fighting her friend, pushed her, she pushed her friend back, and her friend fell back on like you know a mm. combine the rock. Yeah. or something, or yeah. hit a rock or whatever, <laughs> you know. And then I like, think you go right to the Fargo comp, like yeah. shredder, <laughs> but maybe like you know maybe there's a maybe there's an analogous thing that's a more appropriate accident, sure. like rather than like hauling off and hitting someone in the side of a head with the big See, rock I, like i don't know if I, kids do that i've never met kids it, that it, have that reaction
2: fair it did kind of read to me as a more of an impulse than a than a deliberate action like if you were a lawyer you would argue that that was like a moment of you know whatever but stupidity it, it didn't y'all sure of course but it didn't read to me as and maybe because she doesn't go to jail so in the in the plot that she gets ostracized by the townspeople which is sort of her sentence uh yeah. or her penance but they never play it off in the movie that it was intentional or that she is a violent person or that she so it, it read to me as an accident even though maybe let more uh, yeah. less of an accident than if, to your point, Matt, if she had been pushed or there was like a, I'm mad but at it had you, to be, but clearly I don't be, mean It had to be an it.
0: unforgivable thing or the town wouldn't have ostracized her. Like if you push I mean, something that fell tele- over and hit her problem. head, you'd be like, it was yeah, an accident. Yeah, it was an accident, and accident and everyone, yeah. And you're not yeah, going to be it's like, like a, slapping it, her in the face. And, and the Right. Yeah. I
1: so guess, if you're I writing this- a really weird box or corner to write yourself into. and I That's what I'm saying. I just feel like there's another universe where there's another solution to that. Yeah. Is oh, It one depends that, like, what part yeah.
2: you wrote first, basically, right? Like, did the, you write the, that she's ostracized, and you find the reason, or did you do that the other way? Right, because then you're all of a sudden you're <laughs> yeah. halfway through the script, and you're like, I can't I'm not rewriting that part. <laughs> exactly, I'm gonna like, change I, this I, part.
1: I, I think that was the hardest part for me. Is like I I enjoyed this yeah. movie, I, and I think there's some great visual effects in it for sure. Like and great, like nothing groundbreaking visual effects wise, but solid, great, solid, solid, like tried and true visual effects methodologies deployed in a way that I think are pretty successful. And the, but the one piece that just took me out of it and I just felt like, Oh, it's it's just a bummer. Like the, was the inciting incident for her being ostracized. I just felt like it made uh, her unsympathetic to me as an audience member.
2: But they do tie it to her writing these letters where she is so clearly remorseful. Yeah. Uh, of all of it and and everything uh that i don't know it 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 didn't jump out to me i would say the reason and and again i watched it with my brother which we don't get to watch the you know like we don't sit around watching tv a lot together so it was it was nice to like be sort of like in a fixed location almost like a theater right like Mm -hmm, we had the two seats against the window and it's dark and i have the ipad and it was like very uh immersive and I think the thing that we both reacted to was that you saw the aliens early and you saw them often, and they yeah. they do a very good job of training you. Like, hey, this is not Jaws. Like, we have we've decided that this, we're going to lean into it, and to me that made it exciting because I was just like, oh, cool, we're going to get aliens, and now the cool. aliens are a character, and I'm not going to pick them apart because now they're it's like they're not hiding them. So if they're just going to be in a ton of shots now i'm engaged in the plot what's the alien doing what are they doing from an like an activity standpoint yeah instead of like oh i saw and it why are out. They did doing it look it real or did it yeah, yeah. it was like a hiding a in plain anecdote. sight kind of thing i'll tell you a funny
0: anecdote i read about from the director so yeah so dean i guess you said did the aliens and they did a really good job but uh there wasn't a you know enough of a budget to do anything you wanted anywhere you know yeah. like a multi- billion dollar trillion dollar movie okay so the thing is they were like they're gonna try the jaws thing they thought right what they would do yeah. is they would like have shadows on the ground of the aliens moving towards us so you wouldn't have to have a shot of the alien and they discovered that that if they put a cardboard cutout to cast the shadow on the ground of the alien coming we it it looked like it was a shadow of a cardboard cutout right yeah and so then they were like <laughs> oh well, we'll get we'll get Dene to do the just the shadow of the character and that'll be like a whole lot cheaper. And they were imagining like, like 10% cheaper, uh, sorry, 90% cheaper, right? Like that, you know, if it was going to cost $100, not, I'm making these numbers up, right? $100, yeah. it's going to cost 10, right? It turned out it was 90% as expensive to do the character and <laughs> yeah. then just have the shadow <laughs> on the ground. So this whole plan of like, well, we're going to tell it with shadows and you're not going to see stuff and we're going to save money. A, they couldn't do it practically without having, I guess, a massive animatronic thing, which they didn't have. And then B, they were they couldn't do it digitally because it was just almost as expensive. It said, no, I'll bugger it. We'll just have to show the alien that. We'll just show and it, so, yeah. So unlike Jaws, where you could get away with just a fin below the water and your mind would fill in the rest, they, they actually didn't have a successful device to dramatically reduce the number of shots. Um, and the director was kind of bummed about this, right?
1: It reminds me somewhat too of, uh, was it, signs, the M night Shyamalan movie where there's yeah. Sign, where we, signs is very limited. Would well, they don't show the alien as much, but when you do yeah. see it, it's in the reflection of a television, I think in the, well, background. initially, I see it and initially and the, the camera, you see it, it on TV at one point, it crosses like an alley, you which
2: is one of them, which is one of my, I fucking love that scene. I think that is such a brilliant scene of how they of how he did that. I was actually just talking to somebody about this last night. Mm. Um, the reason I, I actually, Signs is one of my favorite Shyamalan movies. And the reason I think mostly is because that's, that is a post 9-11 film. And as a New Yorker, the way that he captured a global event in a small town without wow. showing any of it and everyone glued to the television for information, the way that he did it and the way that he, like Joaquin Phoenix's character would give information to people because he's the guy who decided to watch tv it's just really really well done and when you get that one perfect moment where he's watching tv and the thing crosses in the background like it's it's such a brilliant thing of course i love him screaming at the tv like vamonos children vamonos (laughs) uh but uh yeah that's just my aside but like I agree. I wasn't as thrilled with the payoff of the alien at the end when you actually see it. Again, I think ultimately because you've been given no information about them, it's the it's the JJ J. Abrams mystery box thing. Like yeah. the audience has already determined what it could be from that one TV image which looks rad, and then you kind of see it and you're like it's not really that scary and whatever and I guess much like JJ Abrams he opens the box too late and the audience is much smaller, smarter than them. And, and so you suffer uh,
1: a a collective thought process to your own. Is there a shot or a sequence in particular for you guys, like an effects sequence in this that stood out in particular?
0: I thought the thing going into her mouth was really, really good. Uh, I mean, it was like, well done. As I said, Mm -hmm. I, I thought it was incongruous from a design point of view but the design that it was was well executed and it looked really really in the shot like it was it obviously was digital and it but it looked really really comped in um there are some other shots where i can't get past the end shot with all the alien spaceships above just look mm-hmm. like mars attacks to me and because yeah, mars totally. attacks is a comedy i can't <laughs> take the shot seriously and because i can't take the shot seriously i find it hard to kind of judge the visual effects in it um but yeah getting yeah. back to the serious shots yeah i thought that that was that was genuinely that that and the general compositing scene around her in that whole red beamed frozen section
2: yeah yeah was mm-hmm.
0: i think some of the most effective use of naturally there was rig removal because she was on wires at various mm-hmm. times and there mm-hmm. was really good practical lighting um then combined with visual effects. Like I think everybody was bringing their A-game that day because it didn't look like she was on wires. I mean, she obviously had to be. And uh, and so it was well executed, well um, uh, conceptualized in terms of blocking and framing. Like I thought, you know, it wasn't just like you had sort of close-ups or weird things. And it played with the framing of where she was relative to the alien Mm -hmm. beneath her really well, I thought. So that would be my standout scene.
2: What about you, I think I liked, even though it's maybe a tropey shot, because it works in the narrative and it's a turning point for a new alien. I kind of really like when she runs outside and the camera's like at her POV and she looks up and the camera goes up and you're like, Oh shit. Like I literally like my brother and I looked at each other and we're like, Oh shit, that's a fucking huge one. You know, like like it, it had a very good emotional impact, which of course ultimately I know we critique. How things are done from a mechanical standpoint, but ultimately, how do they work in the shot, and how does the shot work emotionally? And I thought that was a really good, like, amped up, like, okay, next step up. Oh, there's a hierarchy here. Yeah, we're here, and uh, I just really liked that sequence. Had a little Cloverfield vibe, which is fine because that's a I like that movie. And uh, anytime you can sort of look really high up at a at a monster, like you get good scale. And I know we've talked about scale a lot on this show over the years. And I, I the scale was correct, at least in how they were presenting it. Because, mm-hmm, of course, mm-hmm. it's standing next to a house and you have other things. So if it's going to be that big, when it moves, it should have the right physics. It should have all the right things. And the camera needs to move to see it. It can't just be on some big wide-angle lens, uh, which
1: flattens yeah. everything out. So like, I mean, 100%. That's exactly this, that's the part I was thinking of is when she goes outside and same shot it's nighttime uh yes i think kind of a semi cloudy but starry sky Mm -hmm. at night and the big alien comes over the top of like a barn or a garage or something yeah something like that yeah there's a and so you see it like you say looking up at it and as it moves over it has these long gangly like Mm -hmm. i guess arms or legs or limbs whatever yeah and there's shing wooden um shingled roof and some of the shingles are moved and stuff and it's Mm -hmm. just so ominous uh and it feels like it's a transitory moment like you say in the narrative we're seeing something new we're seeing something she's become so difficult as a human right she's or or more interesting to them whatever it is right she's become a, a central focus for them she hasn't been able to be uh encapsulated by their You know core mission Mm -hmm. or something and and that she's killed one or two of them at that point and now there's or maybe she's about to kill that one the big one with the the car or something doesn't she light it on fire oh yeah like blows up and yeah the car blows up yeah but that was a great moment and i think the fact that it's at night you know outside and the way Mm -hmm. that they're able to have it both just kind of like uh silhouetted or rimlet like it i think that really worked in a way that was yeah um, because you
2: know it it has a reveal to it. It's not just a bang. Yeah. You know, you're you're like, wait, what? Oh, you, uh, like there's levels to your reaction as the
1: sh- shot changes. Um, but yeah, Mike, it feels like the whole movie opens up at that moment in yeah. terms of the effects, yeah. like it, they're going yeah. big. It feels like a big, like, you know, Men in Black style, like, you know, mm-hmm. sequence or something.
2: But Mike, something you said earlier reminded me of of like a, a narrative sort of from another film. uh, where you could take two things, uh, take the same thing in two different ways. You had said something like, Oh, maybe she had a word that meant a bunch of different things or something like that, or perspective. And it just always reminds me of the Danny Aiello line from uh Jacob's letter when he's giving the corrections to uh uh Tim Robbins and he's telling you know, he's telling him, you know, uh, if you're if you're uh resisting the change and the people that you say are following you, then they're demons. But if you give in and allow them to help you, then they're angels helping you along their along the way, which of course, ultimately, you know, spoiler alert, they are, but um, in a way um, in that movie. But it, I always liked that sort of, I always like a duality where you could like, maybe watch a movie again, like Sixth Sense. You could watch it a second time and be like, oh, I know what's happening does the narrative still work now that I know the gag? And of course it does because he knew that was going to happen and you've got to be smart enough to put the clues in there that you won't see the first time. Um, um, that obviously didn't happen in this movie, but you reminded me of that when you were saying about like perhaps a narrative. Uh, yeah. Another, uh, by the exercise. way, exercise. really good use of the single word, which
0: was bouncing around in my head and, and only came to formal front when you just mentioned it again, is in the wire. The ha- oh yeah, the, the fuck scene, where <laughs> yeah. they just say the word fuck in every, every <laughs> part of the scene is explained by that yeah. one word, and they mm-hmm. just keep explaining stuff. And it's again, it's a device. It doesn't have to be that swear word, but it's a device to see if you can tell the whole story with one word. Um, yeah. So it is. I mean, I, I was to sum up the film. Like I think it's you know a really good, you know. It's not a good effort. I suppose it's patronizing. I mean, it's like it's a good film. Like it's they've done a good job. They've done a yeah. remarkable job. I think it's. I think I said earlier the wrong number. I think it's like twenty two point eight million. Is the budget? Which is like really not much at all for a film
1: that's going to be you know operating at this level. Um,
0: it reminds of me a it lot. Well,
1: I mean, clearly. Uh... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, just in terms of the budget, I I don't know for sure what the budget was on this one, but there's another Hulu film that's part of the larger franchise. The I think it's Dan Trachtenberg uh, who did the Cloverfield Lane movie. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then he made the movie Prey, which is a predator movie, but with the the Native American tribe, I think it was. I really like that film. mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feels like it's kind of in that same uh, oeuvre, you know, as a movie, like it's Mm -hmm. kind of that same, I would guess roughly, I don't really know, but maybe that same kind of budget, that same kind of target market and audience where it's, it's a killer like thing to watch on a streaming on a airplane or on yeah. a Friday or Saturday night at home but it's also, you know, a great kind of drive-in kind of experience. It's mm-hmm. like it's movies like um you know that we maybe and like Barbarian. Yeah, like things we would know, have come to see Barbarian. In the... I mean, Mike can't watch
2: Barbarian, but Barbarian is in the same zone, the same thing. Like sorry to interrupt. Matt, was just... Can I oh, say, yeah, I, was gonna say I just say that the film Friday like that
0: are three times the budget. The film Prey, which I agree with oh, the film, but it was three times the budget, okay. of 65 well, million.
1: <laughs> all right, then. Never mind. No, no, I'm just saying, like, bad it's, robot. But that's I suppose, a compliment
0: right to so this now. film, right? That you put them in mm. the same category. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. But there's a lot of efficiencies and smart thinking about, I mean, obviously, dialogue doesn't save you money, but, um, you know, cutting out dialogue. But it's, for all intents and purposes, it's a quote contained film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it oh, all yeah. takes place in a house or a town that's rural. And so there's not a ton of extras and it's, it's very smart filmmaking, uh, very smart, practical filmmaking. They clearly had a top notch visual effects house that uh, was able to weigh in and give uh, advice throughout the process and tell them (laughs) can't do this, but Hey, you could do this. And I guess there was one of the articles I read, there was a story where um, the director was like, Oh, well, we'll, we'll cut back on these things. And the studio's like, no, you have, like, we know where the money's allocated. It's allocated to visual effects, make the aliens like, like, go, go for it here. Uh, cause we know like we're efficient over here. And so like, it seems like a a concerted team effort between everyone to, to, you know, to do that, but at the same time, I will say, I will say from a. Creature design standpoint, while the creatures were not, or the aliens were not super nope out of this, you know, Roger Dean out -hmm. of this world, they, they didn't feel like the quiet place monsters that were like, pick your, pick your creature out of this toolkit of creatures because you have a low budget and whatever, also a movie with almost no dialogue. Uh, But those creatures didn't work for me and to, to a different reason though because of course to your earlier uh comment matt we don't know the reasons why the creatures are the way they are so we don't understand like we have to figure that out and ultimately i think it was a little unsuccessful for me but like in this case they're like no it's an alien It's is like kind of a tweaked alien but like you know cool and you go great like, it didn't feel like they went to the pick-your-own-alien box and, right. you know, picked out parts, but at the same time, they didn't have to go too crazy on the design, and it was it works, because that's not the focus. A so, quiet I mean, great place,
1: work. too, though, probably a way bigger budget. One cool design thing in those was the way the head opened up to, like, deal with yeah, hearing and sound and stuff. But, um, you know, what I'm so curious about and what I'd love to know, and I don't know if we ever get a window into this universe, but a movie like this that's only been out for what a month or something like that at the most mm-hmm. right on hulu like with the budget it has like how's it doing what's its return like as a business model like of an effects heavy movie like this that's a low but relatively you know low budget fare mm-hmm. like what's the what's the return and like I, is I it can, a, is it a give money you the numbers, maker
0: but i i bet it was because at one stage it was the most watched film of that week, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I know of other films that have been bought, like from other markets, and how much they're mm-hmm. paid for that and what the streamers are willing to pay for stuff. So, feels to me like it would have been um, uh, a good solution. But look, hey, the whole writers and actors strike thing, which has now, of course, been resolved. But a pivotal point in that is how opaque those numbers are for everyone involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But guys, I have to call it because I need to go to the airport <laughs> to get a flight to go give a lecture. Um, so, thank you so much uh, for this week. Uh, that's been great. I think we agree that the filmmaker's have done a good job. I think Dean Egg did a really good job. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and yeah, see like if you, haven't, or... if you haven't seen it, yeah, we probably spoiled it now. But you should, you should probably see it. And if you saw it when it first came out, maybe uh, it's worth another look. But yeah. I definitely think the world's a richer place for having people making these kind of films and mm-hmm. you can make a lot Absolutely. of them for one, uh, big kind of, uh, well, yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> Jason, I, I was lucky enough to see you recently in Sydney, which was brilliant. Um, you're out. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about in the future when you're allowed to talk about it. But in the meantime, you're back in New York. Where can people connect up with you if they want to uh, follow you or,
2: uh, jason diamond anywhere you can squash those two words together on social media and the diamond
1: bros.com and matt yeah Mattwallen.com. uh everything's kind of connected through there and uh at vcu arts uh virginia commonwealth university school of the arts in richmond virginia
0: and, of course, I'm uh, at FX Guide. I'm sorry that I've got to uh, wind things up, but if I miss my flight, I'm going to be shot at dawn. <laughs> but It's been great talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah. guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thefx at
1: fxguide.com. Copyright FX Guide, LLC.